and I created different lines and collections. And then eventually I moved to New York and I got to have my art be on like New York Fashion Week and just be part of different pop-ups. And at that point, like two years later, people were craving for social interaction. Um, so then there were so many pop-ups, so many events to like meet all these like different South Asian people that were similar to me, like kind of balancing these two identities. And now I am an artist and I also now get to teach art to my students because somehow it like kind of worked out and my like life kind of just made sense. And so here I am. Welcome to Hyphenated, an Americanish podcast. My name is Adela Kochab and I'm your Syrian Lebanese, Mexican Canadian Jewish host. Growing up in the U.S., I always felt like I never fit into one category. And then I realized that in this melting pot of a country, no one really does. So on this show, I'm really excited to be joined by guests from hyphenated backgrounds to talk about their cultures, family histories, and what it really means to be a little bit Americanish. So welcome to Hyphenated. Welcome back to Hyphenated. My name is Adela Kochav, your Syrian-Lebanese, Mexican-Jewish host. Today, I am extremely excited to be joined by artist, teacher, and content creator, Mana Siaria, an Indian-American. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I'm very excited to have you, and this is actually the second time we recorded the episode. It is, it absolutely is. We had some technological, technological <laughs> issues. We're keeping that in 100%. We had some technological issues, and now we get to record again. So mm -hmm. I already know a little bit more about you, but I'm going to ask you the question that I dread, the question I ask all of my guests. <laughs> Where are you from? Um, I am from Northwest Indiana but I was born in India. I was born in Bangalore, India, and my parents, my dad was already here. My mom moved with me three years after I was born, and I grew up in Northwest Indiana. Um, so I'm from Indiana. I say suburbs of Chicago because it really is that, and that's where I'm from. I love how you went from India to Indiana. You just <laughs> I know a, a little suffix. There. I know. Every time I tell people at work, like, oh, I'm from Indiana, I'm, I'm Indian, I'm from Indiana, they're like, wait a second, what? And I'm like, Indiana, the state, but I'm also from India. <laughs> Whatever. So what would you call someone from Indiana? Indian a Hoosier. Oh, a what? A Hoosier. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you thought that I was making... We're Hoosiers. Where'd that come from? Hoosiers. I literally okay. have no idea. But the only reason why I know that is because I went to Indiana University and our, like, our, our mascot was Hoosiers. Okay, the the Hoosiers, I I love that for you. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, um, and I'm 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 allowed to say Hoosier even though I'm from New Jersey, if if that's what we're gonna say, it's where I'm from. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's go back. So you're originally born in India, grew up in Indiana. Mm -hmm. So first off, can you tell us a little bit about the Indian American community that you grew up in? Yeah, um, the Indian American community that I grew up in uh, was actually very small in Northwest Indiana. I feel like if you needed anything like bigger you we would go to Chicago for like different conventions and stuff like that but the community we had in Northwest Indiana was small and it was very much kind of surrounded by the Hindu temple that we had there um so there was all kinds of Indian people which was actually really nice growing up but I feel like I didn't realize like the fact that I was like South Indian and like the depth of that until like much later on in life because we were surrounded by so many different types of Indian people. Um, and I also didn't realize like things that we do every day was also very different than like the people that I was surrounding myself with. Um, but I, I really like the Indian community there. I think um, it, it was small but mighty. And I also think like the aunties and uncles weren't like 
the nicest people on earth, but that's okay because I think that that's anywhere you go. We were just very small, so everyone knew everything about everyone. All the details, gossip spreads, obviously. Um, but yeah. So it's very similar to, I, I grew up in a Syrian Jewish community where, again, everyone knew everyone and everyone's yep. business. And yep. you'd run into anyone at the grocery store and it was like, oh, did you hear? And they're telling you about people you haven't heard from mm -hmm. since high school and you didn't mm -hmm. really care. But now you know all these things about them. And naturally, you're going to go and tell them to someone else because that's what we do. Obviously. And then you want to know, too. And you want to know. You, you want to know. know. You know, you got to keep up a little bit with yeah, the boss. Exactly. Uh, exactly. I hear that. So what was what was high school like for you? So... Even though I were, I was from like this really nice, small Indian community, I feel like they didn't have any of that where I was from. I'm from a very small town in Northwest Indiana and the Indians were in the other town very close to us. And we were like a little, it was like a two minute border and where I'm from, like all the towns had their own schools. So I went to a very predominantly white um, high school and middle school and elementary school. And there was like maybe one other Indian person, but like that person was like not in any of the honors classes. So I honestly never saw them. I never like was surrounded by that person. Um, and so it was, it was a experience, a very interesting experience being surrounded by all these people, because I always felt like I had two different lives. Like I would go to school, be surrounded by all these like white people do all these things, like want to go to the basketball games and all that kind of stuff. And then I would come home and I would do, I would do Kathak, which is like a classical Indian dance. I would do classical um, singing. And then in the weekends we would do all these like community, like Indian community stuff. And then it would be the same thing. I'd go to school and I'd be surrounded by all these people. And like, we would like talk about movies and boys and stuff like that. So I felt like I had two different lives. It was two different people that was like, kind of just like stretched. Um, and yeah, it was just a very interesting experience. And as much as I feel like I had really great friends that like embraced my Indianness, like I definitely never fit in because I feel like I wasn't Indian enough or not American enough anywhere I went. The, the college essay. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, I think it, it really rings true. It really rings true. And, and at least for me, like I got very lucky that I don't know if lucky or unlucky, but it was a double edged sword. I went to a school with everyone that was exactly like me. So everyone mm. was a Syrian Jew. So I was a very specific kind of person, but everyone in my school was that same kind of specific person, except I was Mexican. So I was like a little bit different. And I also like, you know, whenever I was in the US, I felt like the Mexican Syrian Jew. And then I'd go to the Syrian Jewish community in Mexico. And I just felt like the American Syrian Jew. So I also had that kind of like even it doesn't matter how insular and specific you get with a specific community yeah you're still gonna find some sort of way to say that you're not the same yeah. right or, or people are gonna find a way to say you're not the same so that was very much my experience growing up um and and you know I've talked about my path a billion times on this show so you decided to do something a little bit out of the ordinary so walk mm -hmm. us through college okay so I went to Indiana University from Indiana, went to Indiana University. It was like a four hour drive. So I always felt like it was like the perfect amount of time that mm. like my parents can't just like drop in one day, but like they can come visit me and I can go visit them. And I don't think I was like very ready to like leave because, you know, when you're part of a immigrant house, you don't feel ready to leave. Yeah. Um, so I didn't feel ready to leave. But I went to Indiana University. All my high school friends went there, actually, but I'm not really friends with a single one of them. Mm. Um, and I was very confused. I had no idea what clubs to join, like where I should even be a part of. But then um, my second year, I decided to be part of like the Indian dance team, which is called Ross. We were called the Hoosier Ross team. Ah, there we go. Um, and I met a lot of other Indian people, which was really awesome because like 
they were very similar to me. Um, and we were all in science. I, I studied pre-med in college and we were all kind of in science classes, but there was also so many people that weren't, but we weren't really competitive, which was really, really refreshing because I felt like in high school, even though I didn't go to high school with any of these Indian people, everything was so competitive, but it wasn't like that in college. And I had a really great time with them. I was part of the Indian community, like heavily, like I knew all the Indian people there. Um, and it was like, not the biggest like Indian population either. So like, you know, everybody knows everyone, but in like a healthy way, like it was nice being part of that. And like, I loved being part of the Ross team. Um, and I feel like I found myself again. I found, I've like embraced myself. I embraced being Indian because I was surrounding myself with other Indians that like grew up very similarly to me. Um, and we're also kind of doing like non-traditional paths but also traditional paths and it was nice like being part of that um and it was also good because like when you're studying pre-med when you're studying something hard you got to surround yourself with other people that are also studying that because like you're not going to want to keep going so that's also why I feel like I was kind of forced and pushed into doing that but I'm not a doctor <laughs> that is not and what I ended up doing and I did um teach for America after I graduated college because I wanted a gap year um fell in love with being a teacher and I kind of stuck with it. And so that's where I am right now. But then at the same time, when I started teaching, um, my artist, my art world and my art life kind of got more attention. And now I'm an artist as well. So. <laughs> okay, so let's take that a little bit at a time. First off, I love that you were part of the Indian dance team. Um, I, I mean, I watch Indian dance music videos uh, all the time. And I'm like, yeah, this is phenomenal. This is like a 20 <laughs> out of 10. So is there any like specific moment as being part of the Indian team that like, you know, stood out to you? Like, do you remember the choreographies? If I put on one of the songs, like, do you just bust it and you're like, oh, I got this. Um, no, no. but the, the Ross is like very like fast paced. And also it's like one of those like, um, beats that you like have you have to do like expressions like it's like a dance form you do like crazy expressions on stage and I feel like if you played a song I would like do the head bob and I would like do the crazy expressions because you have to like literally open your mouth so wide on stage like that's like what it is so I can do that but no choreography I can't remember that anymore I don't have the stamina for that I was in cheerleading when I was little, so we also had cheer phases. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. It's the same, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, cheerleading and, you know, Indian dance. They're just, they're, they're, they're sister dance forms. Yeah. Um, I love that. And then, um, you know, in college, you did decide to do Teach for America. So can you tell me about the first class of students that you taught? Oh, I miss them so much. I taught in Indianapolis and I taught special education. So I didn't really have my own classroom. I had like a group of kids that I would kind of push into class for or like pull out and do small groups with. Um, and I like love them, but then it was pandemic year. And so I feel like a lot of what I remember from that first year was just like kind of freaking out about what we were going to do for those students because like a lot of them didn't really have access to computers. And we like would just like kind of sit on the computer waiting for them to get on Zoom to like get their services and they wouldn't be able to come on because they didn't have access to it. Um, so I feel like a lot of what I remember is that, but then the second year I was required to go in person um, even though we were kind of like a hybrid form. And I just remember like how much joy they had like with like being in school and how none of them would ever wear their masks. Um, I have to, kept having to be like, put your mask over your nose um, and how much fun we would have in the room, like where we would have, we called it the resource room where we would like pull out kids and have them do work there and how much fun we would have there because like we started to like create the joy of learning um, small group instead of them sitting and like kind of being lectured on like whatever subject they were learning. 
Yeah, I got to see it firsthand. My during COVID, my family was living in Mexico, obviously, and my cousin just like took her kids because she couldn't do it in Mexico City, and a bunch of them went to a place like that we all go to called Acapulco, and there were a bunch of other little kids there. I got to stay with her for six, seven months. Oh wow! And um, you know, I got to watch first off her kids on Zoom school. One was like two, and one was four, and like doing like gym class on Zoom, and I was like, "There's no way this is actually happening." And then everyone that was living in the same building, they just said okay, like let's hire a teacher and let's just have a, this mini daycare. So they did like a daycare learning thing. They were doing learning with the teacher and it was very different to see the kids interact with each other. Um, I've been watching a lot of videos on TikTok. My whole TikTok is just <laughs> full of babies. Just get a ton of baby videos and that's fine. And mainly I get like a lot of like toddlers that don't know how to interact with the world because yeah. of COVID. Like they'll yeah. like, see anything and think it's a hand sanitizer dispenser. Whoa. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of cute, kind of scary. Yeah. But that's, that's the world that we... We got, and then it, I mean, COVID. Of course, it was it was a terrible time, but it was a time where your art got to blossom. Yes. So you know, I want to shift over a little bit and yeah. talk about like what you're working on now and why. So walk us through your art. Okay. So during the first year pandemic year, I had the time to be able to like create my art because like I was waiting and sitting in the computer, right? And so I finally was able to like post a lot of my art. I got to finish all the projects that I wanted to, and I think like. I've always, I've had this Instagram for like a very, like not a long time, but I've always done art and I would post on my personal. So when I like started teaching, I decided to like start an Instagram. So I'd post occasionally anyway, anyway. So, but then when I started, um, when pandemic, I was at home with my parents, didn't know what to do, was bored out of my mind. I started posting more and it was always surrounded by like my identities of being Indian American, um, like what that looked like, whether it was like taking this like really simple art piece and then making it kind of like desi or like adding like mainly to it or something. I always kind of did that. And then I started doing like portrait art with like line drawings and like started doing like watercolor art. Then eventually I got an iPad. That's when I started getting a lot more attention because digital art is very trendy. It's very like in right now and people love that. And it's so easy to like produce art when you're doing that because you don't have to wait for like anything to dry. So I started posting more things. I started creating like cartoon versions of like they see cartoon versions of like what I wish I saw growing up type of thing, like the Powerpuff Girls. And that's when I got a lot more attention because people were like, oh my God, like I really wish I had this growing up. And I think like a lot of people saw the work that I did on colorism and just like curly hair empowerment. And I started getting a lot more attention, a lot more messages being like, thank you so much for creating this. And creating a space for us. And that obviously kept me going. Um, even though I like was working a full-time job and was in my master's and I just like wanted to keep doing this because like the small messages that you get from people like really just make you feel like you're not alone anymore. So I kept going, I kept doing that. I created a website. I started, um, selling, um, prints and stickers and clothing. I created a denim jacket line because I wanted to make it, make something where it's like, again, combining your identities. Like for me, it was Indian American, like denim jackets are such an American staple yeah. piece. But then I was like, oh, I'm going to paint something super Indian on this jacket. So combining that and I created different lines and collections. And then eventually I moved to New York and I got to have my art be on like New York Fashion Week and just be part of different pop-ups. And at that point, like two years later, people were craving for social interaction. Um, so then there were so many pop-ups, so many events to like meet all these like different South Asian people that were similar to me, like kind of balancing these two identities. And now here I am 
I am an artist and I also now get to teach art to my students because somehow it like kind of worked out and my like life kind of just made sense. And so here I am. So I love that. First off, I just want to say you're wearing your shirt right now. I am. All right. So I know that we're an audio podcast, but check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Instagram, on TikTok. And we're going to show you the shirt right here. Yeah, this is a a woman empowerment t-shirt because I like wanted to do a lot of that too. But yes, it's very women empowerment. Very, very much. I see myself there. That that one, that one right there. Exactly. That, that exactly. Me. I love that. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I, I liked how you also got to move your teaching and your art and kind of like merge them together mm-hmm. and you get to teach art to kids. Mm-hmm. So first off, that's beautiful. Now I want to turn to your content creation because yes. I follow you on Instagram and you've been doing, especially recently, I've been seeing a lot of reels that have been coming up also mixing your Indian world and your American world. So can you tell us about that? Yeah. So I, I feel like the best way for any business in terms of marketing is to just like put yourself out there and just like post things that like make sense to you. I think my brand is more than my art. It's me. So to me, I was like, I started being okay with like posting myself on it and like creating more content that like had to do with either me wearing my shirt, my brand, or just like in general, something that was like funny and like brought me joy. Um, so I started posting a lot more reels because like, I don't even know why I had time this summer. So I started posting so much more content and it started to doing to started to do very well, which was really nice to start to get that kind of attention. Um, but I feel like I wanted to be able to like, create some humor in the fact that we have two different identities and like life is never going to be easy for us and that's okay. Um, so I just started posting like random things and yeah, I like it. I like what I post. I like what I do and I'm excited about it. I like it too. And entertains me. So look at that. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm, I, glad. I'm not your target audience exactly, but <laughs> it's okay. You're a woman. You're an I immigrant. Yeah, like, I am an immigrant. You're an immigrant family. Like it makes sense. Thank you. I think so too. Um, <laughs> but With that, I do want to shift over a little bit to our spill the tea section. So Mm -hmm. before we move on, if someone wanted to get, you know, one of your t-shirts, buy some of your art, where could they find it? They can get it on artwithmonesty.com. Or if you want to see like me styling it or just like wearing it or some of my other stuff, you can go on Instagram at Monesty Aria or TikTok at artwithmonesty. Okay. Love that. All right. Wonderful. Let's spill the tea. So first off, I love talking about superstitions. Mm -hmm. It is my favorite thing in the whole wide world. I talk about superstitions left and right. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, last time we recorded this episode, you were wearing a vest that you hand painted Mm -hmm. that had eyes all over Yes, the evil eye. Yep. We talked about the evil eye. So first off, evil eye, if you haven't heard of it, it's this wonderful thing. It's a terrible thing, but it's a wonderful thing that apparently all cultures have. We all have this idea of someone placing the evil eye on you. It's like almost like jealousy or wishing you poorly or like if you're doing well in life, someone will place the evil eye. And we have this in Hebrew, it's ayin hara. In Spanish, it's elojo, the eye. And um, it doesn't matter where you're from, you get it. So Mm -hmm. for, for me and my family, we wear this blue glass bead. It wards off the evil eye. So I'm very much protected. Don't try to evil eye me right now because <laughs> my grandmother has given me this to, to, you know, carry me through life. So how does the evil eye manifest in Indian culture? Yeah. Um, we call it Nazar in South okay. Asian culture. Um, I think in Indian culture, I think it varies what region you're from. Um, because like my family calls it very something different than like another, um, Indian family. Um, but for us, like, I think 
I love being able to put like you can put eyeliner behind your ear you can um put eyeliner um or like a black dot somewhere but my mom um growing up would have me wear a black string on my left foot as like an anklet um but then eventually she was like you don't have to wear a black string you can just wear anklets and so that's why I wear anklets to like as my evil eye and I, I I try to Evil eye protection. I, I don't like wearing it during the winter because it gets like annoying and stuck to my foot. But because it's summertime, I was like, okay, I'm just going to wear them again this summer. I don't think I was wearing it the last time we talked about this. No, I don't think um, so. But I do have my bracelet. I love the evil eye. Uh, I have this evil eye bracelet I have. I'm sure different families have different things. But like this is like kind of like the little things that I like to believe in. I, I agree. And again, like we we also have like the eye shaped. Yeah. Uh, we we do that too. It's it's so funny. There's if there's something that's spanning across all different cultures, it's because there's something there. There's something there. There's yeah. something there. Yeah. So okay. And all the food is weirdly similar too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I happen to, I mean, love Indian food. So, you know, sidetrack different yeah. Indian food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what would you say is your number one? Indian food. Oh, okay. Um, my favorite Indian food is pani puri, um, okay. or any kind of chaat, which is like I always call it like Mexican, um, like Mexican or Indian nachos is what I always oh, call right. it. Um, I tell my mom that, and she thinks that's like the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> but that's what I think. It's it's so good because I love nachos and I love chaats and like they're essentially the same thing with different flavors. So we should have gotten some today. We could have been Indian nachoing in it. Yeah, we could have <laughs> mukbang it. Is there any other superstition that comes to mind? Um, my, the superstition that my mom always believes in, I feel like is, um, is like, she doesn't always do this and she doesn't tell me about it because I started getting really annoyed with her, but there are like particular times of the day that you cannot like physically leave your house because like it's said to be like something bad will happen. But like, if I do that, like I can't go to work. Like, what, what's my excuse here? Um, sorry, I couldn't leave my house. It was an unlucky time. I know. And so I think there was like yeah. a, the other day I was talking to her on the phone and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm like about to like leave and go to the train. And she was like, can you wait like 10 minutes? <laughs> no, I can't wait 10 <laughs> minutes. Um, but, but she didn't sa- tell me why, but I was just like, okay, like, I feel like it's because like, there's some like timing thing and I'll just wait 10 minutes for you. So that's crazy. Is, is it the same for, for everyone or does it have to do like a specific chart specific? Know. There's like no. some time there's to it. There. Yeah. Okay. There's also, it's like Mercury retrograde, but like within a day and it's something with like the Hindu calendar. Okay. You know, yeah. I have to look into this cause I, I've, I've I don't want to look into it. Lately. I don't want <laughs> no. to look into it. I don't want to know. Yeah, no, because then once you know, it once has power you know. over you. Yeah. No, exactly. I hear that too. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, you know, yeah exactly. It is. It is. Absolutely. So ignorance is bliss of that. But not when it comes to holidays. I love holidays. And one of the things I love to ask my guests too is from your specific culture, what's a holiday that you love? Okay. My favorite is Navratri. And during Navratri, we do the dance called Garba, which is like similar to the dance that I did in college called Ross. Um, but with Ross, you use dandias, which are sticks and you dance with the sticks. But then with Garba, you don't. And like, it's like slower music. But that's my favorite because one, I loved doing that growing up. And it's also not part of like the Indian, the type of Indian I am. Um, and I think it's like really cool that I kind of grew up around other people that like, ser- like celebrated that. But then also I ended up being in like the Ross team in college. So I met a lot of people that were part of that particular Indian group. And then um, we kind of continued doing that growing up because um, or like after college, because last year we went to Edison to do Garba. And this year we're planning to go to Edison to do Garba. And that is my favorite time of the year because you get to wear these beautiful outfits. You go dance in circles surrounding God. And it's just like the best 
the best time in the world. Beautiful. Is this men and women dancing? Sorry? Men and women dancing. Beautiful. Is it the same choreography every time? There's like different steps. So you could okay. do like a four step, a six step, step or whatever. And people will know what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's usually like clap, clap, spin. It's keep, the horror. Yeah, you like keep. <laughs> it's the Indian horror. Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. It is. But essentially like that. And then you yeah. like dance and you like listen to the same songs. It's like speeds up for like the Ross part with like the Dondias. You can like hit each other and like it's great i love it i'm obsessed with it okay that's beautiful <laughs> see, this is like i want to see this like you'll catch me in edison and i'm gonna be doing garba it's gonna be great yeah you when can borrow an it? outfit um it's middle of october okay cool. um there's one in jersey city and then there's like another event in there's actually many events but like we're gonna go to one in new Jer- like jersey city and then the next week we're gonna go to edison so that way like obviously not everybody can go for to both of them and you just kind of like you have to you, you can look it up just like garba and garba. some it'll be there yeah It'll be there. See, that's the thing. Like, I love Jewish holidays, and they're great, and they're wonderful, and I've talked about them a billion times, and their traditions, and mm-hmm. Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur. But, like, we don't have, like, a happy, fun holiday like that. Like, all of our holidays, most of our holidays, are, like, they tried to kill us, and now we're <laughs> going to eat food. And that's pretty much what we do. And then, like, we separately will throw parties just for fun. But it's not like there's a big celebration that we all do together, uh, other than, like, maybe Purim. Actually, Purim, yeah. that's a, It's a it's a commandment in Purim to get drunk. So that's oh, nice. really. They take advantage of that. Okay. Yeah. Very if nice. you ever see a ton of drunk Jews wearing costumes in February, it's it's Purim. That's what that yeah. is. That's I think it's nice because, like, Hindu holidays, like, there's always, like, more meaning to it, though. Like, mm-hmm. we're doing this because some god and then like also we're celebrating like even diwali is like that too yeah yeah that's beautiful all right so we're pretty much ready to close out but before we do i want to ask you about your favorite word or saying that doesn't really have an english equivalent okay um my favorite word or saying is chatta which means i actually don't know like garbage of some sort um because there's like not really the proper english equivalent to it but i am I, my family speaks the language telugu and we say chatta for in reference to like little knickknacks that you like buy when you go on vacation like those like magnets or like bracelets or whatever and like things that you don't really need and or want but you just buy anyway as like a memory but then you put it in a random drawer and like put it away um but we call that chatta and so i try really hard to like not to buy chatta because I don't want to accumulate all these like random things that I'm never going to want and so that is my favorite word I think that's a wonderful word I wish we had a word for that because again like knickknack's not really a word yeah and it, it doesn't actually capture the aura of what a chatta is yeah 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 I what, what is your favorite word um I have a lot well actually it's funny that you said chatta because I remember last time we recorded and we said that um in Spanish chatarra and I can't roll my r's but I'm getting better at it for whoever was listening did you hear that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I'm not gonna do it again because it's gonna be hard but um that <laughs> word chata ra i can't do it whatever um it means like junk and like it can yeah be like junk food I like really it's used for food but it means junk so i just think like it's 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 cool how we have that similar root word like like things that you shouldn't really have yeah um and it, I, i'd love to trace the entomology of that but i was thinking actually about like words and sayings that i like i have a billion and again i've given a billion but one i was just thinking about was por si las moscas which means like in case of the flies and it doesn't really mean anything in Spanish. It just like means like, oh, like just in case, por si las moscas, in just case in the case. flies. Yeah. Oh. So, or, or like que oso, that's always been my favorite. It means what bear, but it means like how embarrassing. Oh. So like if someone does something, you'd be like, oof, que oso, like what bear. 
um, which doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I like that. I think that it really shows a lot about, number one, culture is number two, like what people have in mind when they're yeah. forming their language. Yeah. Um, so, Monacy, thank you for joining us. Thank um, you for having me. Thank you for coming back to re-record. To everyone listening, this is actually our season finale. So thank you for joining us on Hyphenated. I had the absolute best time with all of you. Thank you for all of your feedback. Thank you for sharing all of our clips. And thank you to all of the guests that I've had for making this a wonderful experience for me. Thank you, Monacy. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it.